Hello everyone and welcome once again to The Phantom Zone, your one-stop shop for all things nerdy. If you like what you hear today, you can listen to our other episodes and a whole range of nerdy topics now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and on SoundCloud. My name is Chris Buick and I am glad to be back finally after a bit of a hiatus and I'm much more glad to be joined by my friend and fellow nerd, Toby. How are you, Toby? I'm good. It's the return of the king. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's been a, it's been a hectic few weeks for me. So I've, I've had to leave you guys to it as it were. Um, yes, we've you guys... been scrambling for life to keep it afloat. No, you've been managing well. You've, uh, I've been li- still editing and listening back to the podcast. <laughs> um, it's you know controlled chaos is like. <laughs> so <laughs> much editing. Yeah, oh, my editing finger is really sore today. Um, <laughs> we do all we can. Yeah. So you and I are back to finally conclude our ongoing small talk series dedicated to the latest Star Wars series, which is just finished yeah, on boy. Disney Plus. Ahsoka. We are going to talk about episodes six, seven, and eight, as well as our overall thoughts on the series and yes, future Star Wars projects, prospects for Ahsoka and company. Oh yes, oh yes. We will see lots to lots left, lots left, little tidbits just left there hanging on the end. So you know, golden nuggets. And then obviously there's other Star Wars projects coming up that we can get into towards the end what we think mm-hmm. how we think the world is going to build but first of all let's go into episode six which is titled far far away in episode six after our lovely episode between ahsoka and anakin in episode five we are yep. back with our main storyline of this series which transpires sabine has now gone off with bail and skull hattie elsbeth um in the eye of Sion having handed over the map, which will lead them to the location of Thrawn. Um, They eventually land on Peridea and meet the Great Mothers and are now one step closer to Thrawn. Then what is, I I think, the mother of all entrances, accompanied by a battalion of night troopers, he arrives in his star... I mean, it was pretty badass arriving in a star destroyer. (laughs) I mean... I know he's a bad guy, but you're like, respect. That was God. a hell of an entrance. <laughs> I know. It's like, all he needed was a mic, and that would have been yeah. <laughs> Um Having kept up her end of the bargain, Sabine demands to be let go to go and find Ezra, um, which, weirdly, Theron agrees to, but obviously turns on that and basically sends Balon and Hattie after her. After traversing the wasteland, fighting off some bandits and getting help from some cute little naughties, um, she has led to a camp where she is finally reunited with Ezra. Uh, In the final moments of the episode, Thrawn learns of Ahsoka's impending arrival and hatches a plan to be ready with the help of the grandmother, setting up a tasty lead into episode seven. Yes. So, episode six, as I said, brings us back from the World Between Worlds episode with Anakin and Ahsoka into our main crux of the storyline. Lots going on, obviously getting into the the meat and potatoes, as, as you, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. of what the whole purpose of this series is meant to show us narratively. Yep. Uh Thron Thron's there, you know, we see the the Great Mothers, Night Sisters, you know, there's a lot happens here. Ezra. Yeah. I mean, where do we start? What do we think? I, I mean I really enjoyed it. I mean if episode five was the Ahsoka episode of 
the ironically named Ahsoka show, this was kind of like the Sabine episode. Yeah, yeah. So we kind of walked through this episode from her Which is POV. interesting because yeah. we said at the end of episode five that we we needed that Ahsoka episode. Yeah. But Sabine is as much a character in this series. Well, yeah, at, yeah. So, I mean, you know. it may be titled after her, but it's definitely... Uh, a cohorts movie you know Ahsoka it's a and TV friends show. yeah pretty much yeah I mean it's it, that in all but title isn't it really very much yeah um and I, I thought it was great you know because you you got the everything from sort of the POV of uh Sabine and I mean we we mentioned it but Grand is is certainly not just his title it's just his his manner the Grand Admiral Thrawn damn that was a hell of an entrance that was that was Cold, as the kids would say. Um, just the way the Chimera... Yes, I'm nerdy. I know what the ship's called. The way the Chimera Star Destroyed just... You're not alone, Toby. <laughs> just appears... This is a safe place. <laughs> ...on that tower. It was so cool. Um, and just, I loved the... like it, it, Everything kind of felt different but familiar. Mm, and I yeah. know there's been criticisms that it's like, oh, we've gone to a new galaxy and we've just been surrounded by things that we're familiar with, i.e. like Night Sisters and stuff. But I kind of felt that, yes, for the seasoned fans like you and I who've watched the Clone Wars and Rebels, we know the Night Sisters. Mm-hmm. But this was more of a, an introduction to the wider audience into what these things or what these creatures might be or mm-hmm. what context they have, where they come from. But it also gives us more backstory because they were major players in the Clone Wars to a degree. You know, they were responsible for Darth Maul, Savage Press, Asajj Ventress, um, Mother Tells, and all, all those crazy characters that were throughout the show. But they just kind of appear out of nowhere and then they're they're beaten over the course of the show. But you never really get much about where they come from, who they are. And... Mm. This teases a lot, and I feel that as we talk about what goes on for the next few episodes and what's to come forward, there's probably a lot more at play there. Yeah, um, for I, us to get more. I agree. I think, and like you say, we get into this. I guess in the these three episodes we're about to talk about, there's a lot teased, and there's a lot of what seems like uh, foundation setting for yeah. season two and or other projects, which you know will expand this a lot. So. There's introductions, sure. There's, you know, little hints and there's little, you know, um, light exposition for newcomers. You know, there's, yeah. there's very, it's very light in how it handles all that kind of stuff. Not yeah. too much to bog down, you know, the episode because obviously they've only got an hour. Yeah. Um, but they're doing enough, I think, to lay decent groundwork going forward. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's, see. well, I feel like it's, it's sort of familiar enough but there's lots of new trimmings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's a star destroyer, but it's got gold trimmings. Yeah. We've got stormtroopers, but they're covered in like red bandages and the really cool red um gold kitsune uh sort of cracked armor that's been repaired with gold. That was awesome. And then you've got in this big beautiful blue bastard rolling in with just some badass quotes coming in. Um and just totally stealing the show as soon as he's in and he's he doesn't have a huge amount of scenes but the ones he's in are very impactful oh yeah 100%. and you just get the sense of presence mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah i i think going on what you said i think there's there's a lot of nostalgia with uh, i guess a new coat of paint on it yeah and it, it kind of adds to 
Because, I mean, whilst they all looked really cool with the new armor, well, the, the repaired armor and stuff, mm. it also adds more, more credit to... Because I think it would have felt lesser if they all just rocked up and they were all, like, in pristine armor. Yeah. Because it, it really wouldn't have made a huge amount of sense. Because as you get more introduced to the world that they're at, you know, they, they call it, more or less, in all but name, purgatory. Yeah. You know, they've been wanting to get out of here this entire time and there's bandits and all sorts of things that's probably been harassing them and they're completely cut off from what they know and what they have familiarity with so mm -hmm. they kind of have to use the tools that they have available and Thrawn being the the smart character that he is he realizes that in this area the night sisters or the 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 mothers are kind of his only ticket out of there yeah exactly so he's he's linked up with them because it's about survival and getting the ends justify the means yeah I, I and i totally agree with you saying about the the aesthetic of the the night troopers is interesting because like you say if they all came out in their pure white pristine shiny this way it gives them kind of a sense of they've been through some shit and they've yeah. survived and you know they're a bit more hardcore to force to be reckoned with than your yeah. average you know because it has to have been about five Italian. to ten years that they've been there oh yeah 100 percent. um and i think that that and you like you say withdrawn at the um at the start who knows how to exploit and manipulate that and get them on his side it's it's a it's, it, this is where i felt like there were actual stakes in the yeah. show this is when i thought oh right this is if you didn't know Fraun, you realize it kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, I, that's that's why I got most from this episode. It's like Thrawn should not be underestimated. And it's, no. And even if he doesn't say a lot or have a lot of scenes, like you say, he's still thinking. He still steps ahead. He's, yeah. He knows what he's doing. And the way he pivots. So, for example, when, he's, when he realizes that um, uh, Ahsoka is... Anakin's apprentice. Yeah, he he pivots. He goes, "Oh, okay." Yeah, because he knows who he is. Yeah, exactly. He knows his history, but he's smart enough to do that. Whereas he's not yeah. just your typical, you know, general for the Empire who's like, "No, we must destroy them all." He's like, "No, let's be smart about this." Because yeah. I wanted to ask you about the conversation between Hattie and Balon about the, you know, the Jedi Empire yeah. cycle. But Bela makes a very interesting point about how the cycle is just doomed to repeat itself, and he yeah. wants something greater. Yeah. Uh, and I and I always thought like the Jedi Order does seem a bit like a flawed system, like it's got. But then the Empire is kind of a flawed system, so you are in this cyclical, no one wins situation. So Balan's words are kind of like, yeah, maybe something different does need to happen. Yeah. What is that? And Th Thrawn kind of thinks outside the box compared to a lot of generals previously except maybe the likes of like darth vader who kind of thought about the bigger picture and you know to a degree but he like vader always kind of let his emotions he did get the he better did. of him yeah, like thrawn is cold and you know he he very rarely and I, I think there's quite a few scenes where he's he pauses for thought before he says something mm -hmm. and it's you you get the sense that he's like well i'm i'm I could react to this normally, but I'm going to think about what I'm going to say. Where you get a lot of imperial officers, like you'd say, your your typical mustache twirling bad guys, yeah, you're going exactly. to just say something of rhetoric that um, 
it's like, I'll, like you say, we'll destroy you all or we'll corrupt you from this, that, and the other. But he's just like, okay, cool. No. Yeah. And, and he says that when um, he thinks about, you know, he, he sends off Sabine um, to go find Ezra. And then he set, like, he, he basically sort of pivots and, like you say, turns on uh, Bale and, and Shin Hati say, well, yeah, we agreed to let her off, but you guys go find them and destroy them. That's that's what I want you to do. And it's all tactical because mm-hmm. as soon as he finds out that they are Jedi, he, yeah, he, wants some, he wants them gone. Yeah, he's recollecting. He's like, oh, yeah, no, I underestimated Jedi before. You've come here. He could sense, well, not necessarily sense, but he could probably come to the assumption that they've got other ulterior, to, ulterior motives that could threaten his his mission, mm-hmm. which is getting home. Yeah. So it's like, well, I'm going to take you out of the equation. I'm not going to try and fight you. I'm not going to try and kill you. I'm just going to take you off the chessboard. Yeah, and it never seems at any moment he's breaking the stride and thought. He ne- obviously he pivots and he rethinks and reevaluates, but he never, you never really. Obviously, the way the show's written and edited and stuff, it's easier to do. But you never yeah. get a sense that he's panicked. You know. The, no. the the arrival of two Jedi, the arrival of Sabine, Master Spanner's in the works, but he just kind of goes, okay, new plan. You go away, and you also go away, and yep. I'm GTFOing out of here. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I don't care what happens to you guys. And then, but he's still got all the hallmarks that you want from, you know, your Star Wars bad guys. You know, I, I love it when a high-ranking Empire guy is basically angry or, you know, talking down to an underling. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like one of the best things, just the condescending nature of them. It's just, maybe, they, I, I don't know if they go to school for this or something, <laughs> but they all do it. Um, but he's, he's and I don't, but like I said, I don't think he ever really shows that he's flummoxed. I don't think he ever once took his hands from behind his back, which were always like clasped behind his back in that kind yeah. of manner, you know, where he's just like, I am in complete control here. Yeah, um, all composed and all yeah. posture. And that, for me, is what, obviously, knowing Thrawn, but when you're in this show and we spoke about the reveal of Thrawn and what we'd expect, and thankfully it wasn't the last cut of the last episode. Like no, the no. Might be. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, his reveal and his way he is in the subsequent episodes is what, for me, was hoping for in terms of a bad guy who's intimidating in a non-super violent sense, if that makes sense. Yeah, because I mean, I know we'll go into it in the next sort of episodes, but I guess the idea is that this is all culminating to something massive that he was doing. Mm -hmm. But realistically, that by its very nature of what we've been told throughout the whole show, that was never the goal. Like the Peridia, that, that was a way station. They needed to get away from there. It wasn't like... I've got the next next Death Star at Peridia, and I'm now going to unleash it. No, it's just he, the man, or the Chiss alien, he's enough to make waves throughout our galaxy. Yeah, you he know, has... Him, yeah. him getting back is the ultimate goal here. Yeah, and he has, he has the demeanor, and I guess the... And I, I use the word charisma in the meaning of be able to influence well over others. Yeah, you know, um, the charisma. You know, not always being you know happy go lucky. He's got the riz. <laughs> He's got the riz. He's got the uh, riz. Oh, we're so down with the kids. It's I all know. Um, <laughs> I've seen a TikTok. <laughs> But he's he's got the potential and that charisma and the mannerisms to 
influence the galaxy for the Empire in a way that isn't just, I've got a massive ship, I'm going to destroy everything. Yeah, He could be influential at other levels, intimidating at other levels, and that's what's exciting about Thrawn, rather than just, he's got a bigger hammer than the other guy. Yeah, because like you put him into perspective of like the Mandalorian, and then we've got um, Moff Gideon. Mm-hmm. And Carlos Esposito is an amazing actor, but he plays a very mustache twirling, classic cliche villain. Yeah. And it, they're just too powerful. Like you can see how Moff Gideon's obviously had influence and he's, he's quite high up in the rankings of the, uh, the remnant empire, but Thrawn is a totally different ball game. Mm-hmm. He yeah. doesn't let emotions get the better of him. He doesn't go crazy with the plans. He's just means to an end, take each step after the other and it all justifies the end goal. And he, he doesn't deviate from that. He just moves all the chess pieces he needs to to get into the checkmate. Very much power via influence rather than force. And, you know, getting his way through, you know, coercion and manipulation and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the ability, and we see it in the real world as well, the, the ability to influence people that way is much, I think, a potent tool in the long run than it is pure brute force. So, and it, the, the survival instinct he has, obviously having been in Peridia for so long and waiting, biding his time, the patience and basically being able to pivot and get what he needs because he's so many steps ahead for me is formidable. And something i'm excited to see him further yeah. and um, it's clearly something that can radicalize you know if you know he he's in this the the difference between the the people that he has around him you know you're in this desolate world if if i was part of say an empire faction and i was off and i got stranded in another galaxy i'd be like well this guy just fucking led us astray i'm out of here yeah. i'm just gonna go make my own way try and find a way but he's got everyone in line they're all in formation. They may be in slightly more dilapidated gear than they had before, but they're still all sort of sticking to the Stormtrooper script. And he's got people in other galaxies still rooting for him, like Morgan Elspeth and mm-hmm. Pelion, who was in the Imperial Remnant, who was sort of singing his praises in Mandalorian Season 3. You know, so where, say, the likes of Palpatine and Vader rule through threat and intimidation and you know, murdering your subordinates, Thrawn seems to, through his charisma, elicit loyalty, unwavering mm-hmm. loyalty, yeah. mm-hmm. which is a totally different relationship that we've had with Star Wars villainy. Mm-hmm. And I know he didn't do a huge amount in this in this episode, but I think it, it just opens the door to what we can look forward to moving yeah. forward. Lo- loyalty rather than fear essentially, yeah. you know, command through loyalty and they will follow him rather than follow him through wanting to rather than feeling they have to, you know? Yeah, and that can be far more dangerous. That is, and again, that is exactly the kind of stuff that happens and influence can cause that massive change, you yeah. know, and if with a leader like that at the front. But yeah, Thrawn, the, the reveal, I guess, like we said, we were anticipating how and when this would unfold and I think we weren't disappointed. No, no. And I thought the um, the plot, I mean, the real plot of it was sort of Sabine 
Sabine's journey through Peridia to try and find Ezra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was quite fun. You know, she had her little bandit fight. Uh, she met the cute little aliens, like the, the hermit crab aliens. She had a big dog. She had a big dog, which was quite a fun scene where yeah. it ran away initially. And then there was the scene where it sort of followed after. It just wouldn't leave. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's cute. It's a doggy. Yeah. Big, big doggy. Big space doggy. Yeah. Um, that was cool. Um, and then, like you said before, Balin and Shin Hati sort of subplot where yeah, they're, they're starting to give away, spill the secrets of what they're into. And Balin basically describing about how he wants to break the cycle. And I think one of my stand- favorite scenes, particularly the lines, and I know it's been heavily memed since, is where they've come across the aftermath of Sabine's fight with the bandits. And he's just waxing lyrical about this, that, and the Jedi Order. And Shin Hattie's like, do you miss it? And he's like, well, I miss the idea of it. I miss the idea of it, yeah. But not the weakness, or not the truth, not the weakness. And it's like, well, that, I mean, that kind of is the the zealot mindset of the Jedi. You know, they had the right concept, but they just did it such an ass-backwards way. I and saw that's what it, got the better of him. I saw a mean version of that. It's like, do you miss it's me? so many? Do you miss, <laughs> do you so miss McDonald's and so on? I miss the idea of it, but not the weakness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate. Um, yeah. No, it's and it's such a shame about the loss of Ray Stevenson I know, as well. Because... I know, and especially when you put into context the the latter episodes, which I don't oh, want to go yeah. into just yet. Yeah, exactly. I think he's been, in fact, both of them, Hattie as well. She's, I think, um, they've been constant standouts. Yeah, exa- exactly. I think Ivana Sakno, who plays Hattie, has been great as that. Yeah. You know, young, not quite sure what her place is in the galaxy or what she's actually, but she's she's kind of just following. You know, she's not got her own voice yet. Whereas, no, but Balon's, she's still kind of impetuous. At the yeah, same time. yeah. But as Balon Skull has his own voice. Um, and it's not in line with anyone else's, even though he's going along with it. And And oddly enough, despite the fact that they're both, you know, they're not Sith, they make that very clear. Yeah, yeah. Dark Jedi. They're Dark Jedi, Dark Side users. Mm -hmm. There's quite a lot of respect between the two. And it's it's a really, it actually feels a lot more like, say, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon from Phantom Mm -hmm. Menace. You know, like Balin's skull, despite the fact him having sort of darker undertones, He's far more thoughtful, far more sort of patient. And he is a good master to Hattie. Yeah. He does teach yeah. her, you know, not, doesn't, he, he's not necessarily preaching his values, but he's teaching her like the way to things are own. and the form yeah. your own. And these are the way things are. And if you don't get out of the, I guess, the status quo, as it were, you'll end up like everyone else. Yeah, we're just doomed to repeat that get same back cycle, to that they cycle were about. Yeah. you know. Um, but Ray Stevenson has, for me, been his... He's just had that air about him as being yeah. a skull, which I've really loved watching, and I'm really gutted that we're not going to have that going yeah. forward. Um, but we'll get into, I guess, the end points for Hattie and Balon Scott, the in the later episodes um obviously back to sabine after her trials and tribulations getting through peridia from the graveyard which sounds lovely um you know nice little summer getaway place yeah i've got i've got to go into the graveyard i've got got an airbnb in uh peridia um (laughs) riddled with night sisters riddled with night sisters but the 
Nightlife is incredible. <laughs> um, so much green neon. So much green neon. Um, but finally, she gets what she's been after this whole time. Yeah. The whole reason she gave up the map. Reunited with Ezra, obviously, very briefly in this episode. Um, yeah, lovely moment, right? You know. Yeah, it was. And I, I again, I've read um, criticisms where people have said that the she didn't show enough emotion. She didn't get all crazy. and She's not that around. type of person. Though. No, but at the same time as well, I'm, maybe it's just me, but I see friends I haven't seen in years and I'm really excited to see them, but I'm not going to start screaming and getting all hysterical. I just give them a hug with a big smile. And that I'm, was very, that's pretty much what, just what happened. I'm going to do that to you next time I see you. <laughs> so, just, ah! Yeah, so like last time we met up in London, if we do that again, I'm just going to run down Piccadilly <laughs> Circus going, Tommy! <laughs> you know what, damn it. I, I, I'll love that. I'll love that. Yeah, I just run into your arms. <laughs> we'll do the lift from Dirty Dancing. It'll be great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who gets knocked unconscious being dropped? Yeah, but no, I agree. I don't think Sabine's not, you know, she's not going to be like super emotional, crying, you know, all that kind no. of stuff. She's not that type of person. But I don't. I don't think you don't feel the love and affection that she obviously no, has. No, you felt. You felt it's there. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I felt it. Right. So, yeah. I thought it was a very touching moment, and I'm glad that it happened again, not right at the end. And you know, yeah. we didn't get a bit of Ezra to enjoy uh, in episodes seven and eight of mm-hmm. the, the 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 Holy Trinity of Sabine, Ezra, and Ahsoka yep. getting back together. Um, yeah, I I, th- I think episode six was a solid episode. I would Agreed. say so far is one of my favorites of the eight. Yeah. Um, purely for the stakes we talked about, obviously Thrawn was not a disappointment. There was a lot going on and it was executed very well. Yeah. Is how I would sum up. Agreed. I, yeah. I'd say for l- lack of a better word, this and seven were kind of filler for eight in terms of getting us to the conclusion of what the show was supposed to be getting to. Yeah, these these were like, okay, we're giving you two before we shit hits the fan. And, yeah. we're, and it's all, it's all and if, if six was sort of catching us up with Sabine after her and Ahsoka get separated us and put us in the status quo mm-hmm. of Peridia, get us that introduction. Yeah, Seven is then naturally the sort of follow-up of that and getting the yeah. last few pieces put together to get us into the conclusion. Having said that, Seven is not is no slouch. You know, no, this, not this at all. It happens at Seven, so let's talk about Episode 7 now. Dreams and Madness is the title for Episode 7, which yep. uh, is, a, is a great title. Um, much better than the title for Episode 8, which I didn't, which I did not like, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> episode 7, Dreams and Madness. Now back at the Senate in Coruscant, General Sindula, naughty general, uh, faces an inquiry for her rogue actions. Think... Yep. Things are looking bad, but who should turn up? But one beautiful golden droid, C-3PO. Oh, C-fucking-3PO. I... And it, it couldn't have been... It couldn't have been a better... Like, I, I know people sort of criticize the Filoni-era Star Wars for being cameo-centric and mm. sort of shoehorning characters in, but I felt this was very natural. And was such a good way to have Leia, but not actually yeah. have her on screen and mm-hmm. sort of poorly CGI her. It was oh, the yeah, best that would have been, that been bad. That would yeah, have bad. it was the best way to have your cake and eat it too. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And, and still hit that nostalgia because C-3PO coming through, 
like man i know c-3po has had flack throughout the original trilogy but i i love like oh, he's a, r2d2 he's, and he's c-3po are my boys they are they're like you know they're they're a pair they go together you know I like pb and j they yep. go they go together and um yeah, I think I do. I do get the whole cameo thing, and I don't like when shows have cameos for the sake of having cameos. You know, yeah. Um, just to say, oh, you know, we got we got them back one last ride. You know, all that kind of yeah. stuff. The South Park member berries. Yeah, <sighs> member, <laughs> member C three PO. Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> love South Park. Um, anyway. <laughs> But yes, C-3PO turns up, sent by one, as you mentioned, Senator Leia Organa to save the day. Hooray for C-3PO and, and yep. Leia. Um, uh, then that Senator Giorno can shove it as far as I <laughs> He's so clearly a bad dude. I know. <laughs> He's, but it was, I, he reeks of Tory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so much so. I, I mean, I was going to say, you see the yellow dripping from him. But the it, it was... It, I I was surprised that we had that scene, if I'm honest, because I know we talked about it in the lot the when we were discussing episode five. That it, it I was surprised that they had that scene. I thought that might be something they were going to wait for the latter season potentially, mm. and like we focus mainly on Peridia. Um, but it, it it was it was a good scene, and I guess it sort of put the the pieces into place yeah. for Thrawn's eventual return. Yeah, it's, spoilers. Yeah, oh, um, <laughs> but it's um, you, you you're right. It is a, it, that's a scene that could have been easily at the end of episode eight. Uh, yeah. It could have been and it could have, it could have been any point in these three episodes, I guess, because obviously when Sindula is called back, it's done. It, it's it's interesting that they chose to start at episode seven, but they I think they just wanted to clear the road for you know the next one and three quarter episodes uh, to just yeah. kind of be all about you know the titular character and her mand of very uh, merry friends, um, yeah. you know. Um, but so yeah, after that, Ahsoka does continue her travel alongside the Pergils in pursuit of Elsbeth and Sabine, yeah. etc. Uh, but upon upon approaching Peridi herself, has to navigate through a literal minefield um, yes. surrounding the planet, which was an awesome sequence. Um, and then and then poor whales, yeah, poor I know whales. poor whales. Good God! And then the enemy ships that came after. So you know, it wasn't yeah. just that. Uh, before finally managing to land and hide and connect with Sabine through the power of the force. Yeah. Another be- cheeky cameo of Anakin Skywalker Another as well, one. just to mm-hmm. add that in there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Looking handsome as ever. Uh, he, he is a good looking guy. I uh, yeah. I will, I will just say that uh, watching it, uh, Kate admitted that she'd always, always had a crush on Hayden Christensen and she was like, watching episode five just like reawaken that for her so yeah. and i was like you and me both girl i mean she's got eyes right um <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't know like him in his jedi robes or now seeing him in the clone wars armor oh, oh. the vapors oh, oh suchu sir um, <laughs> younger listeners google the fast show you'll yeah you'll I know. <laughs> um so she manages to connect with Sabine through the Force, who herself is still being hunted down by uh, Hattie and Skull, um, yeah. who finally catch up, and we end up getting a really interesting battle between, you know, Ahsoka and Skull. Sabine and Ezra end up fighting Hattie and, you know, her yeah. bandits that, that she's accrued. Um, yeah. 
And then just when things are starting to look bad, Ahsoka runs in to save the day with Hugh Ang providing brilliant aero support. Good old Hugh Ang. Um, yeah. But alas, Fron manages to get away from them in this episode uh, with Hattie also running away with her tail between her legs, despite being offered, you know, a hand was reached out from Ahsoka, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and weirdly, Bail on Skull, nowhere to be found. We shall see in episode eight. But yeah, at uh, that moment of reaching out is, I guess, Ahsoka seeing in Hattie something that I think we can sense, yeah. but hasn't quite been. And it's mined. so in keeping with Ahsoka, yeah, you know, because she's always been try and find the peaceful road. I mean, she'll kick ass when she needs to, but particularly in say like season seven of the Clone Wars, you know, all the clone troopers are trying to kill her, and even Rex is like, well, you know, we're just going to have to get the hell out of here and kill our way out of here. She's like, I, I don't want to kill these guys. You know, they don't deserve to die. It's not their fault. Um, and I feel like she can kind of sense, like you say, in Shin that she might not be all the way bad. She's just misguided, mis misunderstood. And maybe if she's just given the opportunity, she can she can maybe turn. Would it be more interesting though if Shin Hattie didn't go down that route? Obviously, we've had redemption arcs in Star Wars before. Hers wouldn't yeah. be as far reaching as, you know, the classics or, you know, the most. But I think an interesting conflict that probably is going to be addressed in season two. Obviously, we haven't talked about episode eight yet, but if um, it's that inner conflict is going to obviously become a. A through line, you know, in the season two, I'm assuming, yeah. you know, I'm, I would like to think so, um, which I'm interested to see, obviously, you know, uh, as she encounters Ahsoka again and Ahsoka makes another offer, what's her, you know, what's her reaction to that one? Um, I don't yeah. know. I don't want, I, I, I wouldn't yeah. want her to immediately just go, yep, I'm good now. Um, yeah, I can see her being, excuse me, sorry, I can see her being sort of a mainstay. Um, but I kind of feel that she'll she could kind of be sort of the antagonist of the week of sort of the, the subsequent series because mm-hmm. um, she seems of the two between Balin and Shin. We said before where she's she's definitely the more impetuous of the two, and that comes with sort of that youth and naivete. Yeah. Um, how snobby do I sound? But um, the I, I'd quite, I'd kind of like the the opposite, like you're saying. We've had a lot of the redemption, and one of the biggest things I wish that they'd just sort of stuck with in the sequel trilogy was just if Kylo Ren was going to be a dick, just commit all the way. Yeah, because we've done the redemption. Like he did with better. those trousers. Yeah, <laughs> reach them nipples, man. Yeah. Reach them nipples. You're gonna want it. Yeah, <laughs> commit a hundred percent. Um. But like we've done it and we've done it again and it's yeah. not been as good, not been as impactful. But, you know, you get another character in a different light. You know, she's not necessarily all the way Sith or bad, mm-hmm. but she's clearly a bit rabid. Like she's she's always spoiling for a fight. Um, and like she seems to be very keen on showing off and one-upping because it seems like she's the foil for Sabine. Yeah. Whilst Ahsoka's the spoil... Uh, so- I can't say I just bloody said it. Foil for Balin. Yeah. Like, it's definitely those two opposing 
you know, you've got master versus master, apprentice versus apprentice. Well, what would be in, or would have been interesting, or still could be interesting, is obviously if Shinati does align herself with Ahsoka in some fashion. Obviously, Ahsoka's already training, or in an informal sense, I guess, Sabine. But yeah. we'd want to, I guess, be Ahsoka, help and guide Hattie as well. Yeah. And then you have two conflicting, I guess, apprentices who are at heads at loggerheads with each other, but yeah. under the tutelage of this one master, which then would throw in the 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 mix, the relationship between Ahsoka and Skull is even more tense because not only is she now has his apprentice under her tutelage, which would be an yeah. interesting way to go with that. Personally, I what I do think is she she obviously now has the bandits on her side, yeah, and will go maybe a bit, you know, nomad, you know, yeah. kind of Rambo style, just you know, her, on her own mission, on no one's side necessarily, just seeking her own answers, and and because of her impetuousness, her youth, and her impulsiveness maybe just on a bit of a rage mission yeah. to just vent potentially yeah, like classic sort of teen angst mm-hmm. you know, yeah I'm, exactly i'm angry i'm directionless everyone else gotta pay for it because she's basically a child right in the yeah. grand scheme for, and, and compared to everyone else she's a child but she's a child with superpowers and a gun yeah. so you know she's you know, that's a dangerous combination. So yeah. she has mu- a lot of potential to be a real... Um, loose cannon. Loose cannon, exact yeah. phrasing, uh, in this whole thing. So, yes, you have Good versus Evil, Ahsoka and Tron, but you have this wild card right in the middle who's can lean either way very easily yeah. or neither way and fuck everyone up. So, yeah, you know, yeah, very much so. I'm... Very interested to see where Shinhati goes yeah. after this series. They've um, had some super compelling bad guys this season. Yeah. Or oh, yeah. the show in total. Yeah. And, and I think, I guess a question generally is, I think the performances, obviously the characters we love anyway, because, you know, canon and, you know, we've seen them all, but the performances in this live action sense of these characters has been, for my money, pretty, pretty good across the board. Yeah. I'd actually, I mean, this may be overly critical, but I'd actually say probably the weakest link in terms of the entirety of the cast has actually been Ahsoka for me. <gasps> I know, I know. Like, I love Rosaria Dawson and I love Ahsoka. And I feel that her progression through this has obviously been kind of essential development that we need to see now because we've not had an opportunity to see it before. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of a rested development phase. I do agree a lot. It seems like it's being restrained. Yeah, we back. don't quite have the character that we know. I mean, she's at a different age, different point in life, and the 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 threats are sort of more on her shoulders than they ever have been yeah. before. But that sort of world weariness just hasn't been as present before. Yeah. And I, it, it's kind of a... It, it, you know what it reminds me a little bit of? It kind of feels a little bit like from where we left Luke Skywalker in Return of the Jedi to where we picked up with him in The Last Jedi. Yeah. They don't quite feel, other than their appearance and who plays them and this, that, and the other, they don't quite feel the same as what we, who we known before. And it yeah. could just mean that we need a little bit more time with Ahsoka 
and she started to feel a little bit more familiar to her to us particularly to me after episode five mm. yeah i think we did say this at the start of the i guess this series yeah. where we thought ahsoka was you know not not completely far removed from you know the the ahsoka we know and love but yeah. was you know edging into that kind of thing and i think we're getting closer and closer there but we're not quite there yet i feel like a lot of the other characters have more shades of gray to who they are than ahsoka does Um, apart from episode five which i think uh, obviously rosario dawson and i forget the young actress's name who played young ahsoka apologies but um that's when adriatically ariana greenplatt thank you very much um that's when that character really came alive again and it's yeah. kind of, it kind of went it's kind of peaked there and slightly submerged itself again um yeah but not not that the character's not been great but i do agree with you in that you know it's it's the less least varied i guess in you know tone up and down you know characterization throughout the series would probably be for ahsoka i would agree with that i would agree yeah. with that well so like, i think when you've got Shin Hati, you've got Bail and Skull, you've got Thrawn with Lars Mikkelsen, um, you know, even Sabine. And I got to say, like with this one, we we had a, a bit more of a sit, like um, I was going to say sit down, but you've had a bit more of sort of interactions with Ezra. And Ezra feels, you know, he, he looks very different, but he feels ripped straight from the scenes of Rebels. Yeah, you know, the, yeah. The, mm-hmm. the, the, the chap that's playing him is doing a fantastic job of channeling that Ezra. And I felt it was a, such a good live action adaptation of the character. Cause yeah. it, it just, he didn't miss a beat and he had the comedic timing when he needed it. He had the brevity. He felt like the same character. Um, and it, it, it felt good. You know, he had a, a different sort of more mindful, thoughtful, um, sort of mind pro- well, process to how he sort of adapted to things you know he was very much more the spiritual side of the jedi whereas like, i don't need my lightsaber back when um sabine hands it back to him when in the the bandit confrontation he's like the force is my ally and that's all i need yeah and he's pulling out the sort of force kung fu moves yeah which was cool yeah. um and it it just felt like a natural progression for him and I thought that was really stand out, mm-hmm. particularly for this episode. Yeah, yeah. Ezra, obviously, having come back for episode six, it was good to see that kind of, like you say, that character become fully formed from what we've seen before and kind of just be like, yeah, pick, picked it up and ran with it and does uh, really well. Um, the gentleman's name is uh, Emen Esfandi. He's, I think, chap, yeah. I, think he, I think he's done his homework and I think yes. he's realised that you know, the importance of a character like Ezra, uh, especially in, you know, when you're a character that everyone's looking for, you know, you kind of want people, when you find you, to go, oh, okay, you don't want that kind of reaction. You don't want to go, yeah, and it's the Ezra I know, and it's the Ezra I remember, and, you know, hats off to him for for that. That that was worth it. That that was was worth it, it. yeah, because he goes, (laughs) you know, imagine you turn up at someone else, you're like, oh, this... You're not who I'm looking for. Yeah, What's going it's on like here? it's like you turn up and then you throw your lightsaber that you've had for however many years that's got a family lineage. You just throw it over your shoulder. And yeah, you shrug it off. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like that. I can't 
quite that, pinpoint who I might be referring to. I that, or which no, that, film. that wouldn't happen. That's just ridiculous. Nah, nah. Um you just go drink <laughs> go drink milk instead. Um <laughs> pork milk. Um <laughs> oh, it's not the porgs. I'm sure he milked the porgs as well, let's be honest. It's that um, green titted monster on the, the yeah. sea bank. Yeah. Um I have so many questions about his life on that island <laughs> as a lonely man, but <laughs> Let's not, let's not go there. Let's not, not go there. Not for this We're in podcast. Peridia. Yeah. We're in the graveyard. Yes, we are. We are in the graveyard. Um, obviously, yeah. So it sets up a very tense finale for episode eight, um, yes. which lots will have. We'll get into in a very second. But episode seven, yeah, like you said um, previously, six and seven were kind of like getting pieces in place before just ahead of the finale so everything can kind of be ready to go um i think seven does a good job of that obviously thrawn is in the midst after episode seven of getting out of there and is yeah. about to hatch his plan so it's a race against time at that point um characters are split everywhere shin has gone off skull balen skull's gone off you know uh and now the core three have to figure out what their plan is um, yeah. But episode seven, I think, does well to do what any penultimate episode of a series, I think, does is set up its final episode. Which yeah, and you know, it, it kept the momentum going and kept the intrigue. Speaking of episode eight, let's get. Into oh my it. goodness, who'd we, see that coming? We are at the end, episode eight: the Jedi, the Witch, and the Warlord. Which yeah, mm. <laughs> not <laughs> okay. not the best of I, all the titles. I must admit. I mean, I get what they're saying. But I don't like it. I'm yeah. just gonna say that. Anyway, it felt a little on the nose. It's a bit on the nose. Um, it kind of takes away from the seriousness of it, the gravitas of the episode for me. I know it's a, you know, sci-fi epic fantasy show, but you know, I'm still invested in some kind of, you know, yeah. World. It kind of felt like a, a Simpsons parody episode. Yes, yes, that's you know, exactly the way they title things. That. Exactly, it's like ravenous, ravenous rhinos or like, something like that. Yeah, like them, or you know. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, what a show! Um, so in episode eight, with that title, Elsbeth <laughs> is gifted Mother Talzin's yeah. sword by the Great Mothers, and what she we gets her night sister upgrade. Yeah, she does. <laughs> She's got, mm, honey, you're looking good. <laughs> um, you got all that shit on your face. Yeah, but, you know, don't let that stuff be, girl. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> um, she. So she was made a night sister, given her upgrade by them for her confrontation with upcoming yeah. confrontation with the Jedi. Very exciting. And then after a brief rest, respite and reunion, during which Ezra constructs a brand new lightsaber which would be yeah. cool to just do right yeah um using well i mean they they teased that hu yang had just a wardrobe of lightsaber bits hu yang's i want to get Hu-Yang, to Hu-Yang. Yeah, sorry, yeah. i want to get him to hu yang in a, in a bit but i love hu yang yeah not just because he's david Tennant, but Hu-Yang, although Hu-Yang's... that doesn't hurt it doesn't hurt <laughs> never hurts um so yeah he's building a lightsaber used from spark spare parts from his late master Kevin Jarrus uh, until Hugh Yang basically schools him and goes I knew Kevin before he was cool so you know yeah <laughs> I'm I'm legit <laughs> he was a bit of a dweeb I, I was, must admit he's a Kevin hipster he's like yeah. kinda, he was there he had the he had the album before they were big you know yeah um, <laughs> I was with him before he was blind yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. Um, 
Ezra, Sabine, and Ahsoka, after their, you know, nice reunion, eventually, or inevitably, come under attack. Yeah. Um, their ship is damaged, although they manage to survive. And once again, they leave it to Xiang to fix, because that's, you know, it seems to be his recurring Droid. job. my fixings. <laughs> come on, droid. <laughs> <laughs> so they decide... But it, I tell you one thing it does sort of raise the question with, is that Huyang kind of intimates that it's actually been his ship all along. Because <laughs> he's like, I've been repairing this ship for longer than you've been around. And it's like, oh man, did she just totally come into his ship? And yeah. Just like, you droid, you're in, in statue <laughs> to me now. And I've come and did your ship. It's a very good point. Yeah. Uh, do you reckon it's like Trigger's Broom? He's repaired it so much, it's not the same ship anymore. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's in uh, WandaVision, not to bring up Marvel, but the, the ship of Theseus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So Hugh Yang's off fixing the ship again, uh, while Ahsoka, uh, Ezra, and uh, Sabine make their way to the Chimera, which is now yeah. docked with the Eye of Scion. Mm-hmm. Time's running out, uh, so they'd make their way on foot. Must take ages. It was miles away. Well, they're, um, they're running on the, the dog beasts, aren't they? Yeah, that's true. That's true. They do. Yeah. And, um, and still dodging quite... through a very impressive um, bombardment. Oh, yeah. That is even more impressive that they miss every single bolt. But the the Force wills them. The yes, force wills of course. Them of course. Yeah. Well, we'll get into the Force very yep. shortly. Very interesting moments. <laughs> um, so they get on the Eye of Sion. Ahsoka confronts Elsbeth, and the two engage in a fierce duel while Ezra and Spin also join in the fight. There's fights with uh, night troopers that keep being resurrected by the Great Mothers. Stormtrooper zombies. Yeah, I was just like, and I was like, oh no. <laughs> I was like, they can't even shoot, but that's still scary. Um, but yeah, so then we've got all that going on. I won't go into the finale just yet, but there's a lot going on just there, um, you know, of the 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 night troopers Nahu, you know being this unstoppable undead force we've got this battle between Elsbeth and ahsoka which you know she's now been upgraded got her fancy new powers so it's a bit yep. more of a level playing field and then you've got the moment where it's finally happened sabine wills through the power of the force and it happens she manages to to make it happen for herself yeah. and turns out she is force sensitive, after all. Um, what what do we think about that moment? Did we? I mean, we saw it coming, right? It was going. It happen. was the power of belief. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. It was. It was destined to happen from the the very outset of the show. You know, as soon as they said she's force sensitive, it's like, well, okay, mm-hmm. cool. She's she's going to get force powers. Um, and but I mean, she's still pretty rough with them. I know she summons the lightsaber. And then she managed to yeet Ezra yeah. onto the Star oh, Destroyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, like, people, I, 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 again, I read multiple criticisms of that, which is, oh, she suddenly got super powerful. Yeah. Like, she, is that super powerful? Or, you know, I, yeah. It was, it was a justification <laughs> for the, the jump. Like, cause logically you'd think, okay, well, Ezra being stronger with the Force, you'd get him to throw Sabine. And then maybe she'd catch him. Yeah. Maybe that'd be easier. I don't know. Or at least get one of them on there. And then I don't know what they do. But like it, for how the show continued, you could justify it being sort of rushed writing or maybe a little bit lazy writing there. But 
it, it made sense for the context of what we'd just seen. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like she was lifting up a Star Destroyer or moving like thousands of rocks after having yeah. done no training at all. Like at least there's been some semblance of training yeah. to a degree. Also, I think um, going back to, do you remember the, the D&D movie, which we reviewed? Please go and, Indeed. Listen, to, Indeed. Go, go and listen to our episode on it if you if you enjoyed that film, um, like we did. Um, the, obviously, the, the, the wizard, Simon, in that, he is very much a performance under pressure kind of guy. Yep. And I feel like there's an element of that in Sabine, whereas obviously she's about to be, Strangled to death by um, uh, a night death trooper. A night death trooper, yeah. Um, and you know, needs must. She had to do it in that moment, otherwise it was all over. And yep. when Ezra jumps off one ship onto another, of one platform onto a ship, um, she needs to. She needs to do it. So I think there's maybe a element of that performance under pressure for her yeah, as well plus it's all sort of in that one flow of motion where she's like i've kind of got the adrenaline going yeah i'll get you up there and then it's like okay i, I can sort of believe after yeah, that she's, she's like, got oh, shit, i don't know though. what to do now yeah <laughs> yeah she's yeah it's like i've got this power what do i do with it yeah because um, i mean she she's getting battered around um so with the scene where the three of them are sort of deflecting the stormtroopers blasters back at them yeah and sort of seemingly kill them all you know you see ezra and ahsoka effortlessly sort of deflecting the lightsaber bolts back but ahsoka um sabine's trying and she's getting a couple but then she's still getting like hit in the helmet yeah. and the wrist and things so she's still pretty rough around the edges to the point where even ahsoka's like use your blasters yeah <laughs> you're better yeah. at it so shoot them um and to sort of jump onto the zombie stormtroopers for a second i i think we can't like there was a lot of suspicion about that sort of being the case with the Night Sisters being involved. Mm-hmm, yeah. So it was it was cool to see him. Um, I think we're kinda in a tricky spot with zombie stormtroopers with being a Disney product, because they're sort of slashing at them. But you know, there's one scene where it does happen, but the easiest way, you've got fucking lightsabers. You just just demolish them. Yeah. Cut them in half. Yeah, just cut them to pieces. They're not going to get back up. Even the top half's not going anywhere if you start. Yeah, exactly. Away. So, yeah, I've seen Walking Dead. Come on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I yes, it's it was it was interesting because obviously you've that's kind of not happened before, and you yeah. but you yes, you did get the sense with the Night Sisters being involved that there's going to be something. There's going to be an extra element to this whole thing that isn't just you know slashing down endless battalions of you know. Troopers, um, there's got to be something else, you know, when you think you've won, you haven't won, and where does it end? Um, yeah. But yeah, it does open up a can of worms slightly. Um, I think they'll probably just let that go, if I'm honest, as a plot point. Go, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of feel like that's that's going to be... Unless they can figure out how it doesn't, like, get broken, like you well, said. Then... We're, on, we're on the subject for a second, so I do want to jump to the end slash where we're at in terms of the story go for it i feel that the everything they've been emptying out of the catacombs into the 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 chimera star destroyer i think they are the night sisters coffins Mm, because there's only three of them and they're at a temple i feel that's his ace in the hole he's got the the night sister army because going then to the very end for a split second, then we'll jump back to where we're at. They go to Dathomir. Mm-hmm. 
you know, that's the home of the Night Sisters and the Zabrax, i.e., Darth Maul and Savage Press. Um, for the 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 Night Sisters and things that we know in the current universe or galaxy, so it kind of feels like ooh, we're going back to their home world. Probably even more of a connection to the Dark Force sort of magic that they use. I I think there's going to be an army of zombie Night Sisters. It does raise interesting questions. I think you're right. All the all the it's evidence a different hit. super weapon slash ace in the hole that they've not used before. Yeah, an army like a like an, an unkillable army. You know, yeah, like so, the army of the dead in uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's an interesting idea that <laughs> interesting <laughs> if true. If true, um, it, th- like I say, it is very. There's a lot of evidence that points towards it. Um, it's just then you need to think about how that actually works um yes. you know as a ongoing premise you know um you're talking about an army like a physical army of bodies then and how does that work in terms of domination in a galaxy you know um yeah. not to say that you know they haven't landed troops obviously before and stuff like that but it's just an interesting take and in how they're going to go with that. Um, Thrawn's plan for me is just very much, you know, cars close to his chest kind of thing. Um, so I'm in, I'm intrigued. I like the idea. I just want to make sure they execute that properly. And it doesn't just become like galaxy of the dead kind of, you know, um, although that would be pretty that cool. Would be pretty cool. Actually, that I take back everything cool. I said, you're right. <laughs> um, I've convinced myself. Um, <laughs> I'm wrong. Um, uh, but let's let's go into the finale now, because obviously yeah. I think we're naturally there anyway. So um, Ahsoka is finally able to defeat uh, Elsbeth uh, yeah. with the help of the Blade of Talzin. Uh, yeah. Sabine decides to stay behind and help her, um, which was, uh, you know... Not an unexpected choice, but still a choice that could have gone either way, you know. And it's a callback to where Hugh Yang said, you know, you're better you're together. You're better together. together. Exactly, exactly what I was thinking. Um, but unfortunately, despite their efforts, Fron manages to escape in the Eye of Sion, jumping to hyperspace. Yeah. Leaving Ahsoka, Ren, and Hugh Yang on Peridia. Um, as you said, rightly, Fron and the Great Mothers arrive at Daphimir where I'm guessing they will pick up their plans, as we discussed on in Series 2. Yep. Um, Ezra managed to escape uh, and has yeah. reunited at home with Sindula and Chopper. And yep. Very nice emotional scene, little Chopper, giving it the... It, it was. I I have a question about that. Okay. How the fuck did he get off the Chimera? Ah, uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, um, it's a bad question. I mean, that, that's, I, I know there's been criticisms of the show going forward, but this is the first time I was like, Thrawn being Thrawn, he wouldn't do, he wouldn't get tricked by the whole, oh, it's a bit of debris or uh, it's a, a ship's malfunction sort of thing. He'd be like, shoot it, shoot it. As soon as it gets out of the docking bay, like, shoot it, just blow it up. He wouldn't duck, fuck around. <laughs> So him getting out of there is good. It is a bit of a, a it's a bit of a DSX machina in that it happened because it happened and the, yeah. the script needed it to happen. I yeah. think I, I'll excuse it, but I, I, I just want to be like I observe this. I criticism. understand criticisms. I think if you're poking holes in a universe like Star Wars, you have there's a there's a cue. 
um, in terms of no, I'm just no, I'm just saying a space wizard did it <laughs> exactly. If you can say a space wizard did it, then fine. Yeah, um, fair enough. All right. I'm not saying it's not valid. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying there are more egregious crimes <laughs> elsewhere that could be addressed first. True. Um, I'm willing to overlook it. Um, but yes, he's he's home. That's the main thing. Yeah, it was nice that Chopper was the one that recognised him. Yeah, well, that was cute. Little Chopper, voiced by Dave yeah. Filoni. Um, yep, womp womp. And then exactly, uh, and then we leave with Ahsoka, Ren, and Hyung joining Naughty on Peridia to set up, I guess, their temporary new home before making yeah. plans to, you know, deal with the situation as it is, and then left with a very Sneaky cameo once again oh, yeah. of one Anakin Skywalker. Oh yeah, just staring off in the distance. Um, yeah. So nice, I love and that, him. And that's where we leave it. He's so handsome. His he's hair. So handsome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. He's, but he is though. Come I, on. I don't know why he sounds like old Greg from. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old Greg. Do you love me? <laughs> Do you love me? Anyway, Do you love my downstairs mix-up. <laughs> uh, again, young listeners, mighty bish, Google it. Um, that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, that's and that brings us to the end of not just episode eight, but this journey we've been on for Soka. So, yeah, how do we feel in those moments? Obviously, the 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 climatic battle uh, between Ahsoka and Elsbeth kind of she's not coming back potentially in season two now um which yeah. i don't i feel like there needed to be someone taken off the board in this to kind of freshen up for season two although i did 100%. i yeah. did like elsbeth as a character but i feel yes. like she's not the one i'd if i had to pick yeah if you have to get rid of someone this might be the one to go She's executable i mean i think she was instrumental in progressing 100%. the storyline to 100%. where we got to but i feel that this was a perfect conclusion for her character she's because i yeah she's fulfilled I, I, her glorious purpose exactly yeah exactly i feel like she what 100 fulfills what she needed to do mm-hmm. and i think anything past that would have potentially outstayed her welcome and then she would have just fallen into the territory of just being another bad guy that is just following thrawn yeah um and you know, they introduced the mothers and she's a lesser version of them. So, you know, she's she's not going to be as instrumental in terms of what his plans are. So she's just kind of dead weight Yeah, um, moving forward. I mean, I, I you know, they could have written something fabulous for her, but I think in terms of how the story progressed, we needed something definitively easy, well, not easier, but something definitively for the heroes to defeat. And she was that. And it was a good fight. I think her and Ahsoka had a really fun, dynamic fight. And I thought her sword was awesome with yeah. sort of dark magic wielding around. And, you know, it's not yeah. like she she um, she lost without issue. You know, she took out one of Ahsoka's lightsaber Yeah, yeah, that was, that was a moment. Yeah, I mean, that was not nothing. Um, and she was given as good as she got. And then she she got sliced. Yeah, and obviously, you know, the, that that particular fight has been, you know on the cards since mando season two yeah exactly. Uh, so this was like That's the final one so well. at some point you think well they can't keep fighting each other forever but it was good to see that final showdown 
payoff from all that time ago. And I think give uh, Elsbeth her dues and has been, like you say, a character who has fulfilled their purpose in the show, but has done it in an interesting way. She's not merely been a plot device. She's not merely been, you know, there to say the the exposition type lines you know it's been a, a fully fleshed character in her own right that could have had potential if it had gone on but yeah i think it's right that this is how it kind of pans out and agreed so that was and it was a great fight like i said you say it wasn't um it wasn't bog standard it had it had levels you know it had you know ups and downs back and forth you know yeah. and, and that sort is no mean feat, as she then find out. By you know, and she had very polite um, stormtroopers that kind of cir- encircled them and allowed the fight to be honourable. Yeah, because you kind of want to watch, right? It's yeah, just, it's like this is pretty fucking is, cool. This, I'm a zombie, and this yeah, is pretty fucking is cool. cool. Yeah. Just, <laughs> um, and then obviously, but Fron has Fron has disappeared. Um, yeah, as we say. So we have and that was a cool cool way of entering and en- exiting. Um, he, he, he had to get the last just, word in, didn't he's he? Just he's so, like. like in out, he, there's nothing he can't do. He's yeah, honestly like, hi, Ahsoka. BT dubs, shame we couldn't meet in person, but I'm out of here. Uh, better luck next time. Saza, bye, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Um, <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his entrances and his exits on fleek, um, yeah. which is a term, I believe. Um, <laughs> I've heard it, but yeah, so obviously, season two is going to be interesting. We've front at large now he's he's got he's got um a bit of swagger in his step he's got yeah. you know force behind him he knows he's got a plan he's got uh night sisters behind him whereas ahsoka sabine and ezra are kind of stranded so obviously i guess we'll pick up from well there. ezra's back in the galaxy but it's oh, just sorry so not funny. ezra i mean hu yang sorry apologies yeah, yeah, yeah. um uh so yeah you fool yeah so, so, <laughs> I'm so sorry um Yang, sorry, and they are so. I guess we'll pick up where they left off. But yeah, as far as what we think about season one, how did we feel about Ahsoka as a whole? I Gi- loved it. Given I our mean, expectations. I think, yeah, I mean, I Star Wars fans are the hardest fans to please. So I know there's oh, been nice. a lot of people who who have hated it. Um, as a Star Wars apologist, for as much as he can be, um, I Full have time my. Job. <laughs> yeah, as I was gonna say, you know, it's it uh, it's no easy feat. But um, I've got plenty of things to say about ship products, <laughs> sequel trilogy. But um, you know, I really enjoyed this, and I, I it kept me kept me it kept me engaged throughout. And I felt each episode, I was excited to see the next, and I felt that it it teased enough lore, and then sort of went full hock with enough lore that. I think was palatable enough for new watchers. I know some episodes were probably a little heavy for new watchers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Cause I think maybe episode five was one of those. Yeah. Um, and I, I think one of the most egregious things of episode eight is probably the absence of Balan skulls. Um, oh yes. We have sort of conclusion. Yeah. Cause I think that the ultimate shame here was had, Ray Stevenson continued on, then this would have felt okay. But I think the biggest thing, and it's not the show, 
runner's fault because they, you know, they obviously couldn't have known what was happening. Mm-hmm. And they clearly had a lot for this character moving forward yeah. based on where he ends up, which I want to go to shortly. But, you know, it's just a shame that we only literally had one unspoken scene for about two, three seconds. I mean, it has a huge loads of weight um, for sort of the prospects of season two. But I guess just knowing what had happened to Ray Stevenson in real life and then sort of seeing that his last portrayal of the character didn't quite have the opportunity for him as an actor to get a proper send off for yeah. him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just kind of felt a bit, oh man, that kind of sucks. Cause he's, he, as we've said numerous times in this episode and ones before, he's such a standout. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that kind of just is probably the thing that lingers with me a little bit more, but because I, I, I guess to sort of talk about where we may move in season two or whatever the future product is, do they recast? I kind of feel like they kind of have to really. These situations are so tricky because obviously you've got, you want to be respectful and you want to, because, and especially when you've got shoes like Ray Stevenson's to fill, you know, it's, it's no mean feat. I yeah. I tend to err on the side of not recasting. Um, mainly, yeah, that's just my personal preference. There's no other reason to it than that. I just once I've locked in with a actor or as a character, it's it's not hard for me to envision someone else. But I kind of like that's you know that's my guy. That's my person. Yeah. You know. Um, and I think Ray, in this instance, Ray Stevenson did such a great job that recasting would be weird um granted depends who they get in and what they decide to do with it but i do agree obviously the the ending for bill and skull um is is not what you'd hope for um given the situation it obviously was i'm assuming planned for future uh exploration uh given where we've left that character, but it kind of feels like a bit of a sour note on the scene yeah. for that. And it's no one's fault. Like you said, it's absolutely no one's fault, but it's just the way the the chips have been uh, laid down. Yeah. It's kind of... Whereas Hat, uh, Shin Hattie's obviously ending, um, calling to arms, I guess, the bandits to form her own faction, as it were, is obviously... Yeah. Good. It's interesting, and like like we said previously, could be a real uh, wild card in the whole thing. But yeah, yeah, bail and skull thing is it's bittersweet because obviously I like the 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 visual of him on that mountain. Obviously, yeah. knowing what happened is is really nice, but the it 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 it, it wasn't quite enough. And again, no one's fault, but yeah, what can you do? Well, that's the thing where I, I kind of feel that whilst I agree that it is hard to recast, I feel that for the show, particularly because the way I perceive the ending is that because Ahsoka says it herself, they're, you know, the forces let this happen because they're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I feel that reason is to stop Balin. Like his, his plan is the is the real conflict for ahsoka and sabine Mm -hmm. and potentially anakin you know being there um i feel that the three of them 
mainly more so Ahsoka and Anakin and then sort of Sabine along for the road. Yeah, and I would love to see what that plan was. What's what was yeah. his what was his deal really throughout this whole series? You know, what's because we never really knew and that's Well, I, I think I, I thought initially that it was going to be him getting into the world between worlds, and I feel that that's still potentially a, a, an option because you know the context to him wanting to break the cycle you know and the world between world being sort of a gateway through time to a degree via the force that could be a way and clearly it being sort of quite a, a tether between sort of what is past and present and future for for sort of the, the will of the force being like a sort of a a, a force nexus mm. that being so intrinsic and then you know such heavy um, references and callbacks with Anakin being present and him sort of being at that waypoint in episode five. I feel like that has to have some meaning and context together. And then just to really deep dive the statues that he was on, you know, the, the, the literal figure yeah. that he's standing on in that episode in that scene is the father of the Mortis gods that um, I'd sort of alluded to earlier mm-hmm. where, you know, the, the ones also known as the mortis gods were the so the the living embodiments and the representations of the force you know the 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 central figure that he's standing on that's the father he's the balance he's the he keeps his son and daughter in sec in check so his his daughter is the representation of light the brother the son he's the representation of darkness and it was interesting that those three statues the father and the son were intact but the sister or the daughter was damaged and decayed. Yeah. Um, and at the end of their arc in the Clone Wars, they're all dead. Um, you know, they they die through the, the course of the episodes. And it kind of leaves the whole concept of the light and dark kind of out of balance. And the whole idea was that Anakin was supposed to supplant the father and take on that role of the, of the father and the balance between mm. the two. And it, fulfilling his destiny as the chosen one which uh he obviously rejected and then through that all the machinations of palpatine sort of came to play and the force became completely unbalanced and craziness and i i don't know if it's just wild speculation or theory or just random fan hope but i kind of feel that anakin's presence here now particularly as the force ghost you know originally being in episode five is is in the world between worlds there's potentially a a a space where is it really him is it just sort of ahsoka having a a daydream or is this the the force sort of willing uh, a a physical manifestation that she can recognize or relate to but Mm. then we've actually got him as a ghost so there's no denying that that was technically him coming to her whether she saw him or not, she definitely felt his presence. Yeah. Even Sabine sort of recognizes that. Um, so I, f- I feel like there's got to have some more weight to that. And I feel like that's their f- that's the conflict for this band of uh, the Ahsoka team in Peridia. Like whatever Balin's plans are, whether or not it's finding a new way to get into mm. the world between worlds or finding something that the Mortis gods had within Peridia, you know, maybe there's more manifestations of the father, son, and daughter within this new galaxy. Yeah. Or uh, sort of extra canon sort of version is Abeloth, who's the mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which they allude to, but never really sort of go into too much. She's the outlier. She's the one that's not 
within this Clone Wars arc, maybe she's the thing that's been calling to him. Potentially. And that's what his potential journey is supposed to be leading towards. So, I mean, I feel like that's such a huge line not to necessarily address, and if they just didn't recast. Yeah, and it would make... But I get what you mean. It is tough to do, particularly yeah. with how good he was. Yeah, I think they, they need to... I, I, what I would... All I ask is they take their time to think about it and make sure it's done yeah. properly. So, and obviously, Thrawn is now a you know galactic threat rather than just. So you've got everyone, you know, Sindula, Ezra back home now having to deal with that threat because obviously we've had the moment in the Senate where, um, they kind of start to realize that you know the threat of Thrawn is real. And yeah. th- they're going to have to start to, you know, get their act together a little bit. So there's going to be, you know, stuff going on there. And then obviously all this stuff in Peridia, which may or may not go down that route you just alluded to. So very interesting things can happen in season two, if it is in yeah. fact season two, or if it's another show, or however they plan on doing it. You never know with the Star Wars universe. How no, but I mean, it, it's interesting that all these boards... All, the, all these things are sort of moving into position. All these pieces are moving into position. I'll mm. get the analogy eventually. But the, um, you know, if you if you put into context and you put your your nerdy hat on that I have um, with all things Star Wars theory, is you know you've got Mando season three. It ends with Carson, the the pilot from uh, Ahsoka, who's kind of been the interwoven link between all these. Um, Disney Plus TV shows, yeah, particularly in the Mandoverse, i.e., Mandalorian, Pickle Boba Fett, and now Ahsoka. And there was supposed to be a show called The New Rangers of the Republic, where you had Cara Dune, who was played by Gina Carano, yeah. sort of take on that position. But they've sort of, it seems like with her moving out, they've supplanted that plot line and kind of put Mandalorian or Din Djarin in that position because mm-hmm. he is basically recruited by Carson to look into the Imperial Remnant. Yeah. So I feel like potentially Thrawn now being in the the original galaxy, let's just say that, this is potentially how you bring Mando into that mm. bigger world. And then Mando, Book of Boba, everything that side of things you know if it's a season four of mandalorian or if they retitle it with him being the lead or it being an ensemble piece with the new republic and mando sort of working tandem in trying to figure out what the hell thrawn's trying to do and then ahsoka season two being the balan plot line and the peridia plot line them finding a way back to the conventional galaxy which then leads into dave filoni's movie mm-hmm. yep which is in the cards for sort of a few years from now yeah, which is supposed to be the Avengers Assemble event of the Mandoverse. Yes, indeed. So I, I, I kind of feel like they're this is now put all the pieces into into their place. So it's it's just now seeing how they deliver on them. Well, and Dave Filoni, we trust, right? So we do indeed. You know, we do. Whatever he decides to deliver to us gift wrapped i'm sure we will enjoy um as much as we have enjoyed ahsoka um we... i feel like me talking about all this crazy theoriness is like that scene from it's always sunny in philadelphia yes, you're the guy you're charlie charlie day is charlie, talking about yeah, yeah the poster he's like it all leads to this guy this is what toby's bedroom is like yeah, yeah. 
I've got all these land, like little vines of thread and then he, and connected then, between. It looks like a little serial killer. And then he act, <laughs> and, then, and then he acts it out with the little mini figures he's got. As well, so. <laughs> I'd be lying if I didn't. Yeah. Um, but yes, we're very much looking forward to the, any upcoming Star Wars projects, especially um, any that kind of bring on these kind of plot lines that we're supposing and putting forward here and I guess anything that you know kind of explains what's actually going to happen now after Ahsoka season one so we're kind of we look forward to that but unfortunately Toby that's all the time we have this week to talk about Star Wars um well thank you for letting me have my outlet you're welcome you're welcome this is (laughs) I know this is therapy for you so my Star Wars therapy session yeah um but as always, thank you very much for joining me. Um, it's been really good going through this series with you. Um, Ahsoka's been, you know, an interesting one. So, you know, it's been really good to chat with you and kind of debate and go through and all these kind of theories and crazy, crazy Star Wars things that we love. So Yay. really appreciate it. Um, and of course, always. thank you to all of you wonderful listeners for sticking with us. We're sorry these three episodes were a bit late. It's, totally my fault but we got there in the end we really really appreciate every single one of you uh for sticking with us and listening every week um if you have enjoyed listening to us today you can listen to us talk about all kinds of nerdy things on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and soundcloud we are in october you may have noticed um where we are doing a kind of spectacular kind of series of episodes, right, this month? So, indeed. Um, So uh, we have uh, coming out for our UK From Review episode, we have Ian hosting the wonderful Toby again and Simone to talk about the new Disney Plus uh, alien invasion film, I guess. Uh, yeah, no one, no one will, no save, one you. will save you. Uh, I've listened to it. I had, I had a great laugh listening to it, and I hope you will too. And that was just in the editing. That was just editing it. Jesus. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but please look forward to that. Obviously, you'll have uh, the these episodes, and we're looking to have uh, a review. I believe that uh, yourself and Ian are doing on Joe Gollum. Uh, yep, Mike Mignola's Mike Joe Mc- Gollum, yeah. the Ratcatcher. Occult Detective comic book series, Ratcatcher being number one in that series. I've actually read that comic. It's very good. Um, I might join you on that one, actually. I was going to say, jump on by. I will. If nothing else, just to watch Ian host. Um, <laughs> love you, man. Um, we love you, Ian. <laughs> and then at the end of the month, we, we do have other episodes planned that we're trying to just get the final bits in. But at the end of the month, we will have the return of our greatest uh, debate series. Uh, We're going to be in the vein of what we did for last Christmas where we discussed the greatest ever Christmas film uh, where we all, let's be honest, got wiped the floor with by Samoan. So we need to up our game this time, Toby. We are are going to talk about the greatest Halloween film. Yeah, Which I'm sure will be interesting. Um, So... We, I, we need to probably, like I say, start researching on those things because, you know, we need to, we need to try and put up some kind of a fight this time. Toby. <laughs> so, yes, join, join us for that. We're going to be discussing our favorite Halloween films, why we love them, why we think they're the best. Also, everything else, what makes a film scary, what makes a good Halloween film, everything you probably want to love. But until then, until next time, thank you for listening and we will see you soon.
Goodbye. Bye-bye.